chatting there for just a second and then he's already mentioned of course the men's meeting that's as he said it's a week from tomorrow it's at seven o'clock that'll be a great time I had to miss the first time first time with this new book that we're doing and by the way you know we're into this book a little bit that doesn't matter come come and join us I heard it was such a great time last time and so men uh, let's make that a priority Again, it is special. So, so appreciate Pastor Ray's leadership already today. A special day, 13 years. Technically, uh, we had our first service independent of our mother church. Uh, we were planted, Crossway Church of Goldsboro was planted by a church in Wilson. And so our first service independent of our mother church was, in, was uh, early November 2010. So some of those early families like Pastor Ben and and one of our deacons, Hilt, uh, called me to be the first pastor. Christy and I were 18 when we came 13 years ago. Um, it's been a tough 13 years, as you can see. Uh, but we do are so grateful. And, uh, and again, for some of us who've been for, here for that time, it's, it's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I uh, hope you found your place uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, where we were just... Looking and reading, that's where we are today. Title for the message today uh, is, you could, really it's just one word, it's the word holiness. If you want to expand that, you could just say holiness matters. Okay, holiness matters, or just holiness. Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. All right? Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. If you're physically able, let's stand for prayer and, and have your Bible with you as well. Because we, I want to read a few more verses there in Hebrews 12. But first, let's pray and uh, take a moment to pray silently as well. Let's bow our heads. Of course, we don't just say that. We do encourage you to go ahead and pray silently and as we come to this time of, of, the, of the Word. Lord, our great God, our, our holy God, as, we, as Jesus taught us to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, let that be true this morning. We pray that you'd bless the reading of your word that's already taken place. Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word um, done, in, done in weakness, but with your power and with your grace and, and bless the reading of the word that we're about to do. Lord, again, so that you would be glorified in all things, uh, that these things that we talk about, the uh, Reformation Day, Lord, that these would be real realities in the life of our church. We would say all glory to God because of your grace. And so help us for the, for the fame and the renown of Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. 
Amen. Let's remain standing. If you've got that, Hebrews chapter 12. Look, pay close attention, Hebrews 12, 14. And like I said, our text is 1 through 17. Pastor Ray's already read the first 13. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 12. He says, strive for peace with everyone. That's, that's just really practical right there, isn't it? Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's really a nice picture. Uh, there's water in the background, beautiful water. And in the foreground of this picture, there's, there's a nice patch of grass. And there's a man, he's an older man, and he's got a hat on, and he looks to me, even from a little bit of a distance, it looks like he's got, maybe he's smoking a cigar or a cigar. And, uh, and he is, he's leaning on a shovel. The quote says this, God is in control, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. Now, there's, uh, there's humor in that quote. Again, I saw that picture this week, actually, from uh, a friend of mine, a Presbyterian pastor in town, Kelly Buffalo. Again, the old man leaning on his shovel. God is in control, the quote says, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. It's funny. My first reaction when I saw that picture and that quote was, amen. Like, I, I love that quote. I guess you could say maybe in one small way or something, maybe it could be misleading or something like that, but it's funny, and I think it also has a lot of truth in it, uh, that we don't say the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God, and, and let me sit down and take a nap and, and only sleep and become the sluggard in Proverbs. Oh, no, we, we pray, and we're absolutely dependent on God. And in that light, we work. And we put forth grace-based effort. Let me share with you this morning, if I could, a few quotes as we begin. 
I've already told you that the title from Hebrews 12, 1 through 17, uh, that I want to think about, and I'll try to just show you this from the text. I want to show you where I, that's, that's every Sunday, right? I want to show you where we get it from the text. Let me first of all share with you a few quotes. The title's Holiness this morning. It's the title of the sermon. So you should be listening for that theme. Robert Murray McShane. I often pray, Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. I'm just going to give you just short quotes and kind of rapid fire. The most holy men are always the most humble men. Thomas Brooks. Any man who thinks that he is a Christian, listen up. Any man who thinks that he is a Christian and that he has accepted Christ for justification when he did not at the same time accept him for sanctification is miserably deluded in that very experience. It's Hodge. If Christ justifies you, he will sanctify you. He will not save you and leave you in your sins. Once again, that's McShane. So holiness, so holiness and reap happiness. Twinnick, who I think was a really old Puritan. Here's another one for now, maybe more later. This is from Gurnall, William Gurnall. The holy person is the only contented man in the world. Do you believe that? The holy person is the only contented man in the whole world. Do you believe that? Do you know that to be true? Do you practice that? I hope you will agree with my doctrine this morning because I think it's scriptural. But this morning, I hope you'll not only agree with my doctrine, but I hope you'll not be satisfied just with that, but I hope you will be ready to put it into practice. Because doctrine and practice go together. Doctrine and life, these things go together. Well, we're looking at Hebrews, or the title is Holiness, Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. I want to give you two things and then after those two things, I want to land on really what is the main thing. Okay? So I want to give you two things, and then after that, we're going to land on the main thing. But it's not that these first two things are unimportant. No, not at all. Uh, they're very important. Look at the text. The first thing that I want you to see, the first of these two things before we get to the main thing, is this. It's don't lose heart. Or you could say, don't grow weary. Look at verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 12. Or could I stop that for just a second? I just gave you those quotes. Can I give you the best quote of all? Which is be verse 14. Could you just glance there real quick? Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's it. That's the key. All right. That's where, that's where we're going. But we're starting here in verse 3. We're starting with this idea, point number one, don't lose heart. Consider him, the author says, Paul or whoever wrote this, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility 
against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We touched on this very briefly last time. I want to bring it to the front now. Do not grow weary. Uh, My dear Christian brother and sister this morning, I speak to you especially as he writes to believers. Don't grow weary. As he writes to those who are facing or who will be or who may very well be facing persecution, uh, perhaps even martyrdom. Verse 4, did you remember when Pastor Ray said, hey, he says, hey, you've not yet resisted What? Do you remember that? You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What a great hymn. Uh, Martin Luther's hymn. A mighty fortress is our God. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. Friends, I tell you, uh, don't fear people who can destroy your body. But I will tell you who you should fear. The one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's who you should fear. And the author says in verse 4, he says, Hey, by the way, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Uh, It it may be that you are called upon for the sake of Jesus Christ to be martyred, to bear witness, right? Those words are related, witness and martyr. You may be called upon to bear witness even with your life. But he's saying to them, he's saying to them, and the Lord says to us today, listen, this is not just me saying that the Lord says to us, don't lose heart. Christian, don't grow weary. Don't throw in the towel. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And, uh, you know, we've said before, he's using this imagery of a runner The Christian life is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And of course, he says, lay aside every weight. Back then, especially like in the Olympics, they would lay aside every weight. They they were not running with much clothing on. But of course, the the point here is talking about sin. What What does he mean when he says in Hebrews 12, 1, this cloud of witnesses? See that in the text there? What in the world is that all about? A cloud of witnesses. Well, he's talking about uh, the hall of faith. The hall of faith, which is Hebrews chapter 11. Forty verses in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And by the way, we do try to preach Jesus Christ from the Old Testament here at Crossway and try to say, yes, you can look at David's example and Daniel's example, but you you ultimately need to look at Christ. But we we do also preach, we do also preach, if, if you get my point, that there are moral examples from the Old Testament. There are moral examples for Christians today. For Christians today, you should. Uh, Hebrews 11, like there's just all these people in Hebrews 11, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Abraham, Sarah. You should imitate them. You should. You should imitate their faith. When he talks about in Hebrews 12, 1, this cloud of witnesses, 
He's talking about Hebrews 11. He's talking about the hall of faith. You know, of course, as we, that's a play on word, hall of fame, hall of faith. And so you should, you should imitate the examples of the believers of old who put their faith in God and ultimately in God's Messiah. There are people here in Hebrews chapter 11 worthy of imitation. Let me just also say, glance back there at the end of Hebrews chapter 11. There are also specific people who had very checkered pasts. There are people in this chapter who were, uh, I, I just say it again, they had very checkered pasts. And none of these people uh, came close to being perfect. Hebrews 11.32 Can we just be reminded of this? Or go back to verse 31. Verse 31, Hebrews 11.31 By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. That's Joshua chapter 2. And what more shall I say? Hebrews 11.32 For time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Hebrews 11.34, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. That's a great little uh, word there. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, so Israel, uh, Israel comes to its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. And the Old Testament saints are joined with the New Testament saints, and they didn't even receive what was promised. So the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints, because there's one people of God, there's one people of God, there's one God, there's one people of God, there's one way of salvation, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, and at the end of chapter 11 he says, they're commended by God. They were not perfect. Some of them, as we've joked before, Rahab, verse 31, like a shady lady, right? There's checkered pasts but it would not be until the fullness of time. Jesus Christ, the church, Jew and Gentile together, reconciled through the blood of His cross that we would be together. That's a beautiful word that He gives us in verses 39 through 40. And so I do want to say, I, I do want to say we never want to turn the Old Testament into just moral lessons, just, you know, just be like David and just go fight your Goliath. But we do want to look at these brothers and sisters in the Old Testament. We do want to imitate their faith. We do want to see them as examples. So I'm telling you, consider them. Consider who? Consider the people in Hebrews 11. Consider them. But what's his main point? 
And I've told you before, and I'm telling you again, the chapter division is okay. It's not the greatest. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, what's he doing in verses 1 and 2? I'm giving a lot of background. This is important. In in verse 1 of chapter 12, he begins with exhortation. He's been telling them, you might say, he's been telling, reminding them of great stories of the Old Testament. Now he takes the 40 verses of chapter 11, he takes the 40 verses of chapter 11, and he says, I'm going to apply it. And he gives them exhortation based on, and that's why it says in verse 1, that's why it says, therefore, right? It says, therefore, Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, crossway, crossway, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Consider them, do consider them, but oh, his main point, his main point is not fix your eyes on David or Moses or Abraham. His main point is consider them, now consider him. His main point is, verse 2, looking to Jesus. That's his bread and butter. That's the main thing. Chapter 11 is beautiful. Chapter 11 is important, but it reaches its culmination in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 when he begins to talk about endurance. He starts to talk about endurance, which is what he started talking about at the end of chapter 10. And then in 11, he talked about faith. And so he's talking about the faith that endures. The faith that endures. And he says, look to Jesus. He says, imitate Jesus. Looking to Jesus, verse 2, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and that should, that should give us pause. How do, how do those two things go together? Execution and joy. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Are you looking at it with me? and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Psalm 110. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How are you doing this morning? How has this past week been? How's it been? You on the verge of throwing in the towel? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you're in the middle. Consider him. Why? Why? I mean, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Do not grow weary. Number two, let's move right along quickly. Let's move along. Number two. I'm telling you, Crossway, and I'm reminding you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's number two. Number one, don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Number two, I'm telling you, I'm reminding you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Where does that come from? That comes from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well, he quotes here, he quotes here from Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. Look at it in verse 5. 
Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? See that in Hebrews 12, 5? He's quoting Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And then he he begins in verse 7, he begins to give commentary. He's a preacher. We know this about the book of Hebrews. We know this because it's very clear. The book of Hebrews is a sermon. It tells us as much. And so we know that the author is also a preacher. And so his text for his sermon is the Old Testament. It's Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. And then in verse 7, he begins to expound on his text. He begins to apply his text. And so he says this, and listen to me. Members of Crossway Church, listen. Hebrews 12, 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And there is a side, a side lesson here, right, fathers? You have the primary responsibility in your home, including discipline. If you are left without discipline, verse 8, in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. Get this. Are you looking at verse 10? But He disciplines us for our good. And we're very quickly, we're very quickly getting to the main thing. That we may share His holiness. Look at verse 12. Why would you say words like 12 and 13 to people? Don't answer out loud. Why would you write such things? As Paul does here in Hebrews 12, verses 12 and 13. Why would you say that to somebody? Look at it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Why would you say that? Why else if not to address a situation, listen, of discouragement? To speak to people who are or may about to be because of persecution, because of, because following, listen, because following Jesus is costly and it's challenging and it's not easy because it's the way of the cross. The reason you say, Things like verses 12 and 13 because you're speaking into a context of discouragement. Now just, if you want to, I'd love for you to keep your place and go to Isaiah 35. Keep your place here, go to Isaiah 35. Isaiah chapter 35. Go to the middle of your Bible and you're really close to Isaiah. Psalms, Proverbs... You're going you're gonna to get to Isaiah quickly. Thomas and Olivia are going to come up to me after the service and say, what comes between Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah? You didn't say that. They keep me accountable. I like it. Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, in just a minute, verse 3, first of all, 
wanted to save you from too much turn. Listen to, listen to this for just a second. Listen to, listen to Job 4. Listen to Job 4. Eliphaz says to Job, Behold, you have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling. You have made firm the feeble knees. Strengthen the weak, Job, you strengthened the weak hands. You made firm the feeble knees. Isaiah 35, verse 3. Strengthen, Isaiah 35, 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Keep reading. Say to those who have an anxious heart, anybody this morning? Anybody? Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah 35, 6. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down and grass shall become reeds and rushes. And then verse 8. And a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. Are you seeing this? A highway. It's not Highway 70. It's not 795. It shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. The way of holiness, verse 8 of Isaiah 35. The way of holiness, capitalized in my Bible. Isaiah 35, 3. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Hopefully you kept your place. Hebrews 12, 12. The Lord God says even to us this morning, because He is a gracious Father to His people, he is a gracious father to his people. He says to us, even if he, even if he does jerk us by the neck up a little bit, he says, therefore, Hebrews 12, 12, lift your drooping hands. Job 4, Isaiah 35. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. By the way, do you see that? Do you, do you see that Hebrews 12, 12, the hands and the knees thing, well, that's cool to see the same thing in Isaiah 35. That's cool. Oh, yeah, there's also another place in the Bible way back then when it talks about hands and knees. But it also talks about the way of holiness, which is where we've arrived. Holiness. Therefore, Hebrews, you Jewish believers, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And by the way, verse 13, he's quoting from Proverbs chapter 4. The whole Bible is awesome. The whole Bible is the Word of God. And the New Testament quotes the Old Testament all the time. Strive for peace. So you're looking at verse 14. Number one, don't lose heart. Number two, I'm telling you and reminding you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Which is another way of saying, consider all of the Old Testament teaching in Hebrews 12. 
and now and now this and now holiness holy may god help us holiness strive for peace verse 14 strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the lord And I want to spend just a few minutes at least because Lord willing, I want to come back. Listen, I want to come back, not today, later and look at 14 through 17. And so I'm not even going to address part of verse 14. I want to spend at least a few minutes before we close. I'm not even going to address the 14 strive for peace with everyone. That's massive. And oh, by the way, 14 through 17 is just a little paragraph with tremendous weight for the church. Tremendous. And I just want you to, I just want you to look at and hear this. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, There's no doubt that I have quoted that verse many times in 13 years and spoken on this topic. What we've never done is I've never preached what's called sequential exposition, which just means little section by little section by little section in order. I've never done that through the book of Hebrews. So we've talked about this verse. I've talked about holiness, but never like this in its context. I'll share with you extremely brief testimony. I knew early in my Christian journey that holiness was key and important. I did not live up to what I knew always. I'll just be, you know, I did not always live up to what I knew as a, as a Christian. That is for sure. Of course, still today, we all say we don't attain to what we know. We want to grow in, we want to grow in knowledge. I want to say, God, help us. God, help me to attain to what I know. Hey, and you walk in what you know, and he'll give you more knowledge. Don't say, I want to be a big head, a big egghead, and have have no concern about practicing the faith. James makes this clear. James is clear. The whole Bible, Paul's clear about this. Faith apart from works is dead and useless, and it's the doctrine of demons. But holiness as I saw it in the Bible did grip me back then. I knew it was important. Later on in my journey, I discovered Jerry Bridges and his famous book, The Pursuit of Holiness. Later on, or shortly thereafter, I discovered R.C. Sproul and the Holiness of God. Another great book. Holiness matters. And I want to say to you today, on Crossway Church's observance of Reformation Sunday and on our 13-year anniversary, really, there might not be anything more pertinent that we could say than that holiness matters, or to say it the way that the text says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's a shame, it's a crying shame that Christians and churches and even, and here's the worst shame of all, Pastors and teachers can muddy waters that are already clear in Scripture. This is is just plain what it says in Hebrews 12, 14. It's just clear. 
It's not hard to understand. It may be hard to receive, but it's, it's just it's direct. It's clear. It's plain. It says, does it not? Does it not? Maybe in the ESV, I'm not ordering the words exactly when I say, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It actually says that order of the words in other translations, but that is what it says in the ESV. That's what it says. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now I'm thinking, no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. It, it doesn't say without holiness, you will forfeit rewards. Are you hearing me? It does not say without holiness, you will forfeit your future rewards. It does not say without holiness, you can still go to heaven. It'll just be a different path. It doesn't say that. And so sadly, I'm going to get to the positive, but the negative first, what it does not mean, so much of teaching in the evangelical conservative church of the last 40 years, not everything, but much of it called easy believism. You can be saved and live however you want to, and you're going to heaven. My friend, you're not. The only way you go to heaven is through the cross of Jesus Christ. This verse also does not say the way we're saved is by bringing God our holiness. We don't bring God anything except a big old handful of our sin and wickedness and rebellion. So this, let me be clear, it does not say that we are justified by bringing our holiness to God. But sanctification, holiness, sanctification and justification cannot be forever separated. Not at all. Without holiness, can I say it again? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, well, I had a great experience 30 years ago or three years ago. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, as I am trying to say, we are saved through the righteousness of another through what's called the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says that He is our holiness. He is our sanctification. I, I, I wish I had time, but Hebrews chapter 10 says, Hebrews 10 says, through the cross, Jesus made us holy. Do you see? It's through Jesus shedding His blood on the cross, bearing the wrath of God for sinners like us, bearing God's hot and holy anger, on Himself, He who never sinned, He who knew no sin, became sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This same book says that the cross makes us holy. And so what He's saying here is, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you are holy, now be who you are. Through Jesus Christ and through Him alone, if you're a Christian, have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't, first of all, try to be holy. Don't, first of all, try to stop that mess right now. Look and run and fly to Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, having been born of a virgin. He who did not deserve to die on a Roman cross did in our place. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended back to where? To heaven from whence he had come in the first place. He is seated, Psalm 110, Hebrews 12, 2, at the right hand of the throne of God on high. And He's coming again. Jesus Christ is the believer's holiness. 
and if you're made holy through Jesus and only through His shed blood, and if you don't care a lick about holiness, then you're just not saved. Because every believer is very imperfect, but at least has this tiny little pilot light, right? This tiny little flame that says, oh, I want to grow in holiness, because what is holiness if it's not this? Very simple, it's Christ-likeness. Holiness is Christ-likeness. I'm telling you, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's as plain as day in the text, and the whole scripture bears it out. Holiness is simply Christ-likeness. And so we, what do we do if you're a Christian? You beg and you plead with God, God, make me more like Christ. Because every Christian, every Christian is very imperfect, but every Christian is changed by the Holy Spirit, changed by the Holy Spirit, given a new nature, and has at least some desire for holiness because we love and treasure Jesus. We love Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ to be our infinite treasure. He is the treasure worth selling the field, or excuse me, selling everything to buy the field to get the treasure of the kingdom of God and specifically the king of the kingdom who is Christ Jesus. Without repentance, there's no biblical salvation. Jerry Bridges in The Pursuit of Holiness said this, One day as I was reading the second chapter of 1 John, I realized that my personal life's objective regarding holiness was less than that of John's. Jerry Bridges, he wrote The Pursuit of Holiness. He's reading 1 John chapter 2. Wait a minute. My personal life's ambition doesn't match up with the Bible. John, the, the Bible, was saying in effect, Make it your aim not to sin. As I thought about this, I realized that deep within my heart, my real aim was not to sin very much. My aim was not to sin very much. Can you imagine a soldier going into battle with the aim of not getting hit very much? What are we talking about here? Are we talking about Wesleyan perfectionism or something like that? No, no, we're not. It's just the straight, undiluted scripture Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And oh, you left something out there. Thrive. Thrive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Thrive. Thrive. I'm leaning on my shovel. I'm leaning on my shovel. God, you are sovereign and I pray for a hole. Nope. Lord is sovereign. He alone can make us holy by uniting John 15, Romans 6, John 15, union with Christ, union with Christ, abide in Christ. But we pray and we work. We work and pray. And we remember that the apostle says, strive for the holiness. There's a, there's a definite article there. There's a definite... Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. What about you today? What about you? Don't, don't play games. You're not playing games with me or not, with the Lord. This is His Word. We are His people gathered. He is God. And He has said to us plainly, 
to you this morning, if you're an unbeliever, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Why? Because he is a holy God. He's a holy God. Look to Jesus Christ. My dear brother and sister, follow Paul's example in Philippians chapter 3. Get what is behind. Look forward. Press forward to what is ahead. I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are blessed as a church. I am blessed to be surrounded by elders that I love and so appreciate and, and members most of all. Please help us. Save us from maybe believing that we are in any way safe because of decent doctrine or good doctrine if it has never affected us. Lord, we know the massive importance of healthy doctrine. It's so important. Help us to grow in doctrine and help us simultaneously to repent of our sin. Oh Lord, give us true humility through the cross of Christ. We thank you that you tell us without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Help us as we continue to study this. If Christ Jesus does not return first, Help us as we continue to look at this to grow in you, to truly grow in your grace. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.